Today we come to the end of our um, series on Jacob, and uh, it's the closing of a chapter in Jacob's life and an opening of a new one. Can I um, invite you to grab your Bibles, and we're going to do something just um, symbolic to, to remember this at the start. Um, open it up at page 38 so you make sure you've got today's reading. Um, uh, pop your flyer with August and September notices just in there so you don't lose your place, and then I want you to close your Bible, and then I just want you to open it. I want you to close it, open it, close it. It's just a symbolic way. There's an opening and a closing of a a chapter in Jacob's life today. And I believe there might be for some of us today as well, as we look at the significance um, of this this chapter, this this stage in Jacob's life. We've been following through this series. Hopefully you've been following through this series. If you need to catch up, catch up on the podcast. And it's been astounding, I think. Different people here and others have reflected with me over the past few weeks how relevant Jacob and his story still is to us today. And no less relevant than than today, I think. But as we begin, uh, a little bit of fun. Um, And uh, uh, what is in a name? And I've got a little quiz here um, to see how well you know the real names of famous celebrities. So um, the first name, can we have the first name, Caitlin? Who is Morris Micklewhite? Does anybody know who Morris Micklewhite actually is? Next slide. Michael Caine. That's his actual name. That's Michael Caine's actual name. Um, a couple of people did know that. Next one. Let's see if you know. Who's Declan Patrick McManus? No? Any other guesses? <laughs> Just take a name and say someone else famous you know. Yeah. So, anybody else? Yes, Elvis Costello points to uh, Mike for knowing a bit of a music fan we have over there. Next one. Who's Edda Kathleen Van Hemstra Hepburn Rustin? Audrey Hepburn. Next one. That's her actual name. Didn't you know that? Um, next one. Steveland Judkins. That really is that. You can understand why this guy changed his names. Steveland Judkins. Um, anybody know who that is? Very famous musician again. Stevie Wonder. Next one. That's Stevie Wonder. Last one I think we have for this morning. Um, this evening at the 6pm, we might do something similar, but it will be like Jay-Z rather than Marilyn Monroe. I don't take that as a judgment on you, but I didn't know who would know. Jay. But anyway, last one. Who's Norma Jean Mortensen? That's not Jay-Z. That's not 50 Cent. Sorry? That's Marilyn Monroe. Brilliant. So what is in a name? All these people change their names. In today's reading, uh, God's reminds uh, Jacob again of this change of name uh, from Jacob to Israel. He says in our reading today, um, Jacob said to him, your name is Jacob. No longer shall your name be called Jacob, but Israel shall be your name. So he called his name Israel. Uh, So we're going to dig into that a little bit. Another little uh, fun story as we begin to look at this thing of the importance of names and what's in a name. This is just um, a bit of fun. It always amuses me. Um, An English lady wanted to buy a house in Switzerland. Um, Following a viewing of the perfect property, she realized she hadn't seen a toilet there. Uh, She wrote to the Swiss estate agent and inquired about the location of the WC. Um, water closet, obviously. Now, the estate agent's knowledge of English was limited, so he asked the parish priest to translate the letter for him. The only meaning for the abbreviation WC that the priest could think of was either Wayside Chapel or Wesleyan Chapel. As a result, the reply sent from the estate agent read as follows. My dear madam, 
I take great pleasure in informing you that the WC is situated nine miles from the house in a beautiful grove of pine trees surrounded by lovely grounds. It is capable of holding 229 people and is open on Sundays and Thursdays only. There is a great number of people expected during the summer months. It is an unfortunate situation, especially if you're in the habit of going regularly. It may interest you to know that my daughter uh, was married in the WC, and it was there that she met her husband. I can remember the rush there was for seats. There were ten people to every seat, usually occupied by one. You'll be glad to hear that a good number of people bring their lunch and make a day of it, while those who can afford to go by car arrive just in time. I would especially recommend your ladyship to go on Thursday, when there's an organ accompaniment. The acoustics are excellent. Even the most delicate sounds can be heard everywhere. <laughs> the newest addition is a bell donated by a wealthy resident of the district. It rings every time a person enters. A bazaar is to be held uh, to provide plush seats for all, since the people feel it is long needed. My wife is rather delicate and she cannot attend regularly. It is almost a year since she went last. It naturally pains her very much not to be able to go more often. I shall be delighted to reserve the best seat for you, where you shall be um, seen by all. For the children, there is a special day and time, so they do not disturb the elders. Hoping to be of some service to you, yours faithfully, etc., etc. Uh, and names are important, and what we understand by names are really important. And as we're going to see in this reading, um, this there is so much wrapped up in this, what can seem quite innocuous, God just reminding Jacob of what, what he did in that wrestling match of renaming him from Jacob to Israel. Do you remember that moment where Jacob holds on to his wrestling with God and, and basically says, I've recognized now at last that it's you I need above all things and all people and I'm not going to let go of you until I get a blessing from you. I've been searching in all sorts of different places and in different people for that blessing, for that affirmation. And I recognize now that there's nowhere else I can go. As Peter said to Jesus, you hold the words of eternal life. I'm not letting go until you bless me. And, uh, and God renames him there. He says, you've been called Jacob, but your name will be Israel. And he reaffirms it um, here in this reading as we get to kind of the end of a chapter um, for Jacob. And yeah, there is so much that's wrapped up in this for Jacob. And uh, in many ways, it's beautifully symbolized. Um, uh, there's a couple of burials, and there's a building of an altar. A couple of burials and a building of an altar. And they represent hugely significant things for Jacob. So glance down at the reading um, again with me. God said to Jacob, verse 1, Go up to Bethel and settle there. And build an altar there to God, who appeared to you when you were fleeing from your brother Esau. What God is calling Jacob to do is to go back to a place that's hugely significant for him. If you remember the story, this is where he stopped to sleep and to rest his head. And he had that amazing vision of the stairway to heaven. Do you remember that? This is where he first met God for himself. Not just the God of his father and the God of his grandfather. This is where God first met him. And he's bringing him back to that place. And it's bringing up, as he does that, all sorts of history, all sorts of pain, and some vows along the way that were hugely significant. Keep your finger in, in today's 
reading. And um, just turn back to uh, chapter 28 and verse 20. So you can see I'm not making it up. This is um, a hugely significant place for him. (coughs) So Jacob's dream in chapter uh, chapter 28. Jacob's dream at Bethel. And Jacob makes his vow at the end of this. Look at verse 20 with me if you've got it in front of you. Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I am taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's household, then the Lord will be my God. And this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. See, Jacob makes this really significant vow here. It's a bookend to his life. 20 years later, God is calling him back to the same place. Uh, There's a sense of completion happening here. Uh, A closing of one chapter and an opening of a new chapter. All of that past uh, is coming back. We see that again in verse 3. Have a glance of our our reading. Um, Verse 3, Jacob says to his uh, family, to his whole household, then come, let us go up to Bethel, where I will build an altar to God, as he was promised, as he promised to, um, and as God's instructed him to, who answered me in the day of my distress, and who has been with me wherever I have gone. Can you say that with me? Because for some people here today that I was preparing, I think that's going to be the verse in the sentence that they need to be reminded of today. Can, can you read that verse with me? Let's all read it together, okay? Verse 3. Then come, let us go up to Bethel, where I will build an altar to God, who answered me in the day of my distress, and who has been with me wherever I have gone. We're going to say it together again. Then come, let us go up to Bethel, where I will build an altar to God, who answered me in the day of my distress, and who has been with me wherever I have gone. For some people here today... As they read those words, who answered me in the day of my distress and who has been with me wherever I have gone. Some people that will land with a certain weight this morning. They go, that's, that's me. That's true for me. And there might be a response out of this morning where you want to set up an altar uh, to close a chapter, to open up a new one, to ask God for a new name to lead you into your future. And then there's this beautiful verse that, I'll be perfectly honest, I almost ignored, I wasn't going to preach on at all. And actually I think it's the centre of what um, the emotional weight we're meant to get from this passage. Uh, Random little verse. Uh, I'm going to point us to um, uh, verse 7, 8 uh, and 9. 7 and 8. Uh, Have a glance down at it again. There he built an altar, and he called the place El Bethel. It means house of God. Because it was there that God revealed himself to him when he was fleeing from his brother in that moment of distress, that day of distress. Now Deborah, Rebecca's nurse. Who's Rebecca? Just so we know. Who's Rebecca? Who remember? Not his wife, that's Rachel. Close. His mum. So Deborah, Rebecca's nurse, this is, this is the nurse that, that was sent with Rebecca when Isaac, when Isaac, so Abraham's servant first went to get a wife for Isaac. She's been with um, his mother and with him all his life. 
Deborah was there the day Jacob was born and he grasped the heel. Deborah was there when he cried. Deborah was there when he fell over and she picked him up. Deborah was there when she saw how rejected he was by his father and didn't get the love that Esau got. Deborah was there when Jacob dealt with that pain in the wrong way and deceived his brother with a lentil stew. Deborah was there as she saw the family torn apart by Jacob's deception, pretending to be his brother, getting the blessing from his father. Deborah was there, probably in more ways than we... She's so anonymous in these scriptures. We see her back in chapter 24, and then we see her here. But it it can't be an accident that she's mentioned, because otherwise she's so anonymous. She was there. She knows the whole story of this chapter, as it were. She was there the day Jacob was born. She was probably there the day he and Esau reconciled and came back together. 20 years after, more than 20 years after this moment on the road to Bethel and after this falling apart of the family. She was there. And this chapter is coming to an end. Deborah, Rebecca's nurse, died and was buried under the oak outside Bethel. So it was named Alon Bakuth. So you know what that means? Does it say in your Bibles, a little footer? Oak of weeping. This is a painful and significant moment for Jacob. This is the closing of a chapter and the starting of a new one. All of that past is being wrapped up in this moment. It's almost like I, I thought of doing it. I, I wasn't quite organized. I almost thought of like getting a, just imagine if you will, like a bin, a bucket here. Uh, and um, all the pain of the past, the stuff that was done wrong to him, being thrown into the bin. All the mistakes that he made, the sin, the shame, thrown into the bin. All the searching for significance and affirmation in all the wrong places and the frustration and the pain of that and the wrestling with that, thrown into this bin. And there's a burial that's about to happen. It's kind of encapsulated in this person, Deborah, who's been there the whole time. This hugely significant person in his life. And it's like all of that with her is being buried in the ground. Do we see why it's more significant than you might think as you just read through the passage? All of this must be here in Jacob's heart. And then it's after that closing of one chapter that God meets him again. Verse 9, after Jacob returned from Paddan Aram, God appeared to him again and blessed him. What an extraordinary thing to have a God that isn't distant and isn't far off. Marilyn made mention, we we prayed, didn't we, about, for many of us, our, our Bethel, our place of meeting with God might be a new wine or a focus. It, it might be somewhere else. And um, what an extraordinary thing it is that we ha- sometimes have these special places, these special times in our lives where we know that we've met with God, that we've been blessed by him. I, I, my prayer is that that would be an ex- your story if you're going to new wine or focus over the next week, that it would be another significant meeting with God, 
as Holly beautifully prayed, for some of us, we desperately need that. We're hanging on by our fingernails. For some of us, it will be a celebration of a chapter of life. For some of us, it will be a re-envisioning of the future, a new name, perhaps. But what an extraordinary thing it is that we have a God that comes close and meets us in our day of distress, as it was for Jacob as he fleed Jacob. He comes to him in the night. At this moment of reconciliation with his brother where he's terrified and scared and he's in the dark alone, God comes to meet him. Here, at this closing of a chapter and this opening of a new one, God comes to meet him and bless him. He says, your name is Jacob, but you will no longer be called Jacob. Your name will be Israel. And of course, this name Israel is just filled filled with the most unbelievable promise. Uh, This is the narrative of God's faithfulness throughout his life. This is the promise that was given to Abraham, that was given to Isaac, that was reiterated this night in Bethel when he first met him. And here he is back in Bethel and he's just come from there. And God reiterates this promise, this faithfulness, this sense of purpose. And for many of us as well, I expect here, for some of us here, we'll need to know that, that in the point that we are now, it might not feel like it. But God has a plan, and he is faithful, utterly faithful. And we may be in a place of waiting. We may be in that 20 years at the moment. But the encouragement of this passage is the God that was there at the beginning, when when Jacob was in in his mother's womb with Esau, is the same God that's throughout the story, faithful, prophesying, calling out of this person, life. I loved um, this story I came across just yesterday. Um, I posted it on Facebook, so some of you might have seen it. Um, uh, I think there is a parallel, so I'm going to use it. There's a, uh, a boy, an 11-year-old boy called Ben Twist, who has autism. And um, he failed his SAT exams. But instead of just hearing that he failed his SAT exams, Mrs. Clarkson, who's his teacher, um, wrote him a letter. And... Uh, I think this might be more difficult than I expected. Um, And uh, this is the letter that she wrote him. Dear Ben, I'm writing to you to congratulate you on your attitude and success in completing your end of key stage SATs. Jill, Lynn, Angela, Steph and Anne have worked so well with you this year and you've made some fabulous progress. I've written to you and your parents to tell you the results of the tests. A very important piece of information I want you to understand is that these tests only measure a little bit of you and your abilities. They are important and you've done so well, but Ben Twist is made up of so many other skills and talents that we at Lansbury Bridge see and measure in other ways. Other talents that you have that these tests do not measure include your artistic talents, your ability to work in a team, your growing independence, your kindness, your ability to express your opinion, your abilities in sport, your ability to make and keep friends, your ability to discuss and evaluate your own progress, your design and building talents, your musical ability. We're so pleased that all of these different talents and abilities make you the special person that you are. And these are all of the things we we measure and reassure us that you are always making progress and continuing to develop as a lovely, bright young man. Well done, Bren. We're very proud of you. 
Isn't that beautiful? And the reason I share that story is because Mrs. Clarkson's obviously a fantastic teacher. And she sees and calls out of Ben more than he would believe in himself and more than the world might say of him. But what God does to Jacob in his life and in this moment is so much more even than Mrs. Clarkson. Actually, if you look at Jacob's life as we have over the past few weeks, it's a train wreck. It's a mess in so many ways. He's not a character to be admired. His story gives us a God to be admired. Because God, even more than Miss Clarkson, might say, you know, there's nothing. I'm not even sure that list of bullet points is as long as that for you, Jacob. But I'm calling out of you so much more. No longer Israel, no longer Jacob, but Israel. All of the promises that are associated with that, all the hope for the future, that kings are going to come out of your family, that you're going to be a blessing to the whole world. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's amazing grace. Even more than a Mrs. Clarkson with a Ben Twist, God calls out of each one of us, gives us a new name and a new identity and says, this is who you are. And um, gives us the security. And I loved um, Chris's phrase in the prayers. Didn't they lead the prayers brilliantly? I thought it was brilliant. The first time they have here, it was brilliant. Round of applause for you. Um, But Chris had this phrase uh, that your peace would help us move forward. And uh, there's a sense, I think, for for Jacob here that this is part of what God's doing at this closing of a chapter and the opening of a new chapter is reminding him of his faithfulness, blessing him, giving him a peace so that he can move forward to the next chapter. Saying goodbye to Deborah, giving him a peace so that he can move forward. Yeah. Israel, very good question. Um, I had this. Israel means it wrestled with God or overcame God. You know that phrase when he gives him the name in the middle of the night where he says, you wrestle with God and you, um, with man and with God and you prevailed. Israel means kind of like wrestled with God. Not in a negative sense, but in a, as in held on for dear life by their fingertips, not through any merit of their own, but because the grace of God has come to meet us and you hold on. Um, it's a beautiful, in some ways, thank you for asking, in some ways it's a beautiful picture, of course, of a foretaste of the gospel. Jesus, who comes, us totally undeserved, and he says, if you hold on to me, if you hold on to me, there's new hope, there's a new name, there's a new identity. It's the gospel. It's all grace. We're totally undeserved, whether the Ben Twist and the Jacob, but he calls out of us so much more. Thank you for asking, Peter. I'm going to come into land, and I'm going to, um, I'm just going to read this, because I wonder where it is that you are on the journey of Jacob. As we've gone through this series, you might have picked up at different points, but I'm, I'm just going to read this kind of list of things that we have, has, the life of Jacob, the journey of Jacob has brought up. And I reckon for all of us, there'll be at least one of these bullet points where you go, yeah, that's where I am now. And the, what I want you to hear over all of this, I guess, is that we all need a new name. 
Jacob needs a new name, we all need a new name. We all need a closing of one chapter, opening of a new one. Let me read this to you. Where are you on the journey of Jacob? Are you grasping after significance and security and love? Have you been sinned against? Are there wounds from the past that still sting today? Words spoken over you that still bind you in some way? A rejection by those you loved? Have you tried to run away from the past, only to find the past is still there and confronting you again? Have you made a relative success of life in worldly terms, but if you're honest, there's still this restlessness, this lack of peace, this longing for something more, for this affirmation, for this peace to be able to move forward, and nothing seems to satisfy? Or have you felt cheated in life, and tried to take things into your own hands as a result, lost trust in God, and ended up feeling disappointed with the cards you've been dealt Are you uncertain of your future? Are you worried and anxious? Are you even in despair or desperate? Are you facing your fears and you feel alone in the dark, holding on by your fingernails, wrestling with God in prayer, crying out? If you are, God might be closer than you think. Have you had an amazing encounter with God, but it was 5, 10, 20 years ago and it seems a distant memory? Did you make vows to God about following him? that you haven't really followed through on. You're a bit ashamed of that. Or have you recently had a kind of conversion moment, met with God and been changed by him, given a new identity, but you're still struggling to be wholeheartedly devoted to him? There's still some idols and some charms that indicate your heart isn't totally devoted to him. Is there a need for a fresh turning to him? Or are you worshipping him in this moment? falling at his feet, building an altar, in love with him. But you love the assurance again of his good promises over your life, a reminder again of his faithfulness. You'd like God to appear to you again and bless you as he did Jacob. If there's any of those you say yes to, I want to suggest as we come to a close and we're going to pray for one another, um, that in the right sense we all need a new name this morning. We all need a, a blessing from God this morning. We all need perhaps a closing of a chapter and the opening of a new one. 